0: Hello and welcome to another week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne, it's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network, and it is brought to you by your local community radio station. I'm Sarah McKenzie. On today's show, we'll bring you news from the 24-hour Community Assembly, which is currently running at WebDoc, Port Melbourne in Victoria. I also have a chat with Brett Edgington from the Trades Hall in Ballarat, the home of the Eureka Rebellion, from where our labour movement grew. We discuss the Eureka spirit and how it interacts with the trade union movement that we know today. So stay tuned. But first, some union and workers' news. Every year, between November the 25th, the International Day of Elimination of Violence Against Women, and December the 10th, the International Human Rights Day, runs the 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence Campaign. Each year, there's an ongoing or a new theme which pulls on a particular area of gender inequality. This year's theme was Leave No One Behind, End Violence Against Women and Girls. In Australia, on average, one woman is killed a week by a partner or a former partner. Unions around Australia have been campaigning hard in the We Won't Wait campaign, which is a campaign calling on political parties to support 10 days of paid family and domestic violence leave to be included in the National Employment Standards. During the 16 days of activism this year, they took their long-running fight to Parliament House in Canberra. Political parties, including the Australian Greens and the Australian Labor Party, have made commitments to legislate for 10 days paid leave in the NES. However, the LNP has ruled out supporting the campaign. Here's Lisa Darmanen, Executive Branch President of the Victorian Tasmanian Branch of the Australian Services Union.
1: It's been a really remarkable shift in um, thinking about the role that workplaces can play in addressing family violence. And I think the overriding thing that I would say is that it's happened much more quickly than I would have expected. So the first and worldwide first clause that we got in 2011 was really, you know, six or seven years ago. And to think that, um, you know, some six or seven years later having millions of workers across Australia being covered by these enforceable entitlements is really fantastic Um, and if we compare it to something like um, the paid parental leave campaign which um, has taken a whole lot longer to achieve paid leave for women or parents um, in getting paid leave you know we're talking decades rather than within a 10-year period then Yeah, I think um, that contrast gives you an understanding of how important the issue is and um, how willing people are to identify workplaces as the key area Mm -hmm. where the issue can be addressed.
0: So why is it so important that those escaping family violence have access to paid leave?
1: So almost two-thirds of women who experience violence are in the workforce. Therefore, the workplace can play a really critical role in enabling women to safely deal with the matters um, in their lives. Paid domestic violence leave means that a woman can leave a violent relationship without fear of losing her job uh, and therefore losing financial independent, independence, which is critical. And having access to paid leave means a woman can feel financially secure while she relocates herself and her children to a safe place or attends medical or specialist appointments or deals with legal appointments, court hearings or the myriad of other things that um, need to happen when um, a woman is dealing with this sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really clear that um, domestic and family violence is an issue that all parts of society need to deal with, including the workplace. Um, It costs our economy $12.6 billion a year and the cost to employers... In comparison to that, um, according to union research, is just five cents per worker per day. And 10 days pa- paid family violence leave will change lives and it will save lives. So I just can't see why Malcolm Turnbull and his government can't see the benefit to uh, working people uh, to make this change
0: By Christmas, 200 Oakey North miners who've been locked out of their workplace by multinational mining giant and corporate tax cheat Glencore will have been locked out of work for over 150 days. The dispute over the Oakey North Enterprise Agreement has been running for most of the year and it's showing no signs of a resolution, with Glencore refusing to negotiate. Last month, the Paradise Papers' revelations showed that Glencore did not pay any company tax in Australia last year, despite revenues of $10.4 billion. Data from the ATO revealed last week that in the 2015-2016 financial year, 732 companies failed to pay any tax at all, costing Australia $13.4 billion. Many of these companies have engaged in attacks on the basic rights of workers and attempted to strip pay and conditions, while inequality is at an all-time high. The CFMEU has launched an appeal to support the workers at Oakey North this Christmas, and you can donate by going to oakeynorth.cfmeu.org.au. You're listening to Stick Together, On the Community Radio Network, I'm Sarah McKenzie.
2: And we bring to this fight something they do not have, solidarity, sticking together. Working people, sticking together, no matter what, in whatever circumstances, just as we have done throughout the generations, we will do again. And we'll do so with determination, we'll do so with a clear idea about what's wrong, and we'll do so knowing that our grandparents fought to change the rules in the past, and they won it, and we will fight to change the rules and win it again.
0: A peaceful community assembly has been underway outside the Victoria International Container Terminal, the VICT, at Webdock in Port Melbourne after a casual employee was denied shifts after taking action against management over workplace bullying and harassment. Since the firing of this worker, a member of the MUA, in late November, a 24-hour community assembly has been sitting at the gates. The union and its members are not there themselves due to an injunction from the federal court, but the community has taken up the fight sending a very clear message. Touch one, touch all. On Friday the 8th of December, there was a rally to support the WebDoc Peaceful Assembly. Stick Together was there. Here's Annie McLaughlin with some of the attendees of the rally.
2: G'day, I'm from 3CR Stick Together Show. Do you want to tell me why you're here today? Just to support the um, the union, the movement, and um, the just cause.
3: Ah, oh, look, it's just important, um, you know, solidarity. Attacks on workers are attacks on workers, um, it really doesn't make any difference what sort of uh, industry you're in. Um, and you know, we we really need to stand together.
2: Why is it important? Um, it's important for all unions to come together to show solidarity. Um, you know, workers are workers. Right now, they're under attack from this company. So even though. We don't represent them. It's important that we rep- represent all workers and ensure that we all come down in solidarity. So do you want to tell me why it's so important that uh, the, everyone's down here today?
3: Yeah, people are really angry and, and they have every right to be angry. This is a company that's well known for union busting across the globe. They go to developing nations and they look to suppress wages there. And now, this is they've come to their first industrialised nation. They want to do it here too. So they're paying workers less in this facility than they are just about anywhere else. And then the next trick they try to do is they target union members and drum them out. And that's exactly what's happened overseas and it's what we're seeing here right now. So a good union member got the sack, um, he was bullied, he was harassed, and we're not going to put up with that in this country. So that's why there's a lot of community people down here saying, it's not just about that one guy's job, it's about all our jobs. And that's what we've got to do, we've got to show good solidarity and make sure that we stand up for all these jobs, not just here in Australia, but also overseas, and let a company like this know that we're not going to put up with this garbage.
2: This business of uh, using the big stick of automation, saying that they're going to use uh, workers in Manila to buy buy a computer to run a wharf, frightening stuff.
3: Yeah, and and, you know, that threat is, is real. And, you know, they want to hang it over the workers. They say, look, you'll all lose your job and we'll ship them off to Manila where people will be on $15,000 a year. Um, You know, poverty wages is what we need to stand up against. And we've got to make sure that companies like this, if they don't do the right thing, well, maybe they shouldn't be working here in Australia, you know, because that's not the type of Australia that we want.
0: Many community and working people's leaders spoke at Friday's rally, all of them with a similar message. Our strength is our solidarity. Michelle O'Neill. This is
2: an important, important day because some of us were here 20 years ago. Some of us were here 20 years ago when the Victorian Trade Union movement and the Australian Trade Union movement said, we will not stand for... One union, one group of unionists, one group of workers being singled out. We won't stand by and let bosses and companies drive down the paying conditions of hardworking members of the MUA. And because we stuck together, because we understood what solidarity meant, because we were in it for the long haul, because we were there day and night in all sorts of weather, because we put up with every threat that they made, and because we understood we were fighting for something bigger, we were victorious. We won because we understood that the fight's not just for us, it's for our kids and their kids and their kids. And here we are again, and V-I-C-T, what sort of company is this? And of course, they're not alone. Don't think that all these companies never talk to each other. We know they do. They accuse us of colluding. Well, let me tell you, corporate Australia is currently colluding with the federal government to try and systematically piece by piece, drive down the paying conditions of ordinary working people in this country that we have fought for for decades and hundreds of years. They are trying to say that a small group of workers, handpicked workers, and we're seeing here at VICT, we saw it at Streets, we saw it at CUB, we're seeing it at ESSO, that a small group of people, hand-picked, can do a deal. And they call that a new agreement. And then they try and impose those lesser conditions on workers that have fought for years to build up their conditions over many, many hard negotiations that they've suffered and struggled for. This isn't justice. There's nothing fair about that. How can you say on the one hand we've got a right to bargain and negotiate a deal and that the companies and this government and these laws allow a handful of people to drive them down, in this case, by 40%. And, of course, the targeting of unionists. Again, not one-off. It's not a surprise. Where those people that stand up are the ones the bosses come after. And, of course, what the government's doing is, as we speak, trying to drive through new laws that actually make it easier. For bosses to target unionists, to go after delegates, to go after our officials. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to criminalise what we do every day. And what do we do every day? Simple. We stick together and we fight. And we stick together and fight to win better paying conditions, better lives for our families, our communities, to do something for the working class so that all of the wealth and power in this nation and around the world is not held by a few. So, comrades, I want to say to the MUA that we are with you. Look around us. Take a minute, look around us at the mighty trade union movement here in Victoria. Look at the strength we have. Look at the people who have taken that brave step to be here and know that you're not alone. Know that we'll fight with you. Know that we have each other's backs. And how proud are we to be on the side of working people who will fight against oppression, fight against exploitation exploitation and win Win for workers here in Victoria, at VICT, in Australia and around the world.
0: You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. On the 3rd of December this year, we passed the 163rd anniversary of the Eureka Stockade at the Goldfields in Ballarat, Victoria. This is an event which marked major change in Australia's history. To many, it's a symbol of rebellion and the struggle for democracy and unity, and the first use of the blue and white flag hoist up on Bakery Hill, the Eureka flag, which is still a very present symbol in Australian politics. I'm joined by phone with Brett Edgington, the Secretary of the Ballarat Trades and Labour Council, to discuss this ever present Eureka spirit in Australian politics and the labour movement. Hey, Brett, thanks for being on the show. Good morning. Um, So, in 1854 in Australia, there was no real organised labour movement. but the Eureka Stockade and the flag has become such a present theme in Australians' current labour movement. When and how did these things become associated?
4: Well, I think the really important thing um, that's probably not widely recognised about the Eureka Rebellion um, in eighteen fifty four was what happened uh, in Ballarat on the 11th of November that year. Um, there was a, a monster meeting on Bakery Hill with 10,000 uh, audience attendance, and the Ballarat Reform League... Was formed. Now, the Reform League, uh, at the heart of their, their Reform League charter that they adopted on Bakery Hill, had a, a number of very significant points that we can trace back to the Chartist movement in England um, during the the eighteen thirties. And the Chartist movement was a genuine working class, working people's movement, and it's really important to recognise that. Um, The Chartist Movement in the UK um, was in response to um, sweeping changes, I guess, to British society from the Industrial Revolution at the time, Um, really abject and extreme poverty, of course, the Masters and Servants Acts and and really harsh conditions for working people and their families. The Chartist Movement had been really brutally suppressed in England to the point where there was a number of people shot where um, troops were sent out against the protest. Here in Ballarat, the points that are written down on Bakery Hill are basically the Chartist Manifesto. It's a continuation of a working people's movement. So when you get a lot of historians um, sort of saying, oh, Eureka was, yeah, small business owners complaining about tax. Well, n- no, that's not really true. It was a continuation of a, a significant working class movement from the UK. And, and a significant number of the, the, the members of the Ballarat Reform League were Chartist.
0: Great. So since then, we've seen the flag reemerge. I mean, it flies above the Victorian Trades Hall. Um, it's in CFMEU and the ETU logos. I mean, is that, that's the link that they're drawing.
4: Well, I think the important link was that the flag um, was uh, designed by Captain Ross and created for the Reform League, the Ballarat Reform League. Um, the Reform League um, had intended to set up a large tent, uh, in Ballarat um, to advocate for, for the rights of miners, miners and working people in, in on the Ballarat goldfields. And the flag, the intention of the flag was basically to, to fly above that tent as a symbol of the Reform League. Now, what happened then subsequently on the 29th and 30th of November is that the, the physical force um, proponents, led by Peter Lawler um, and Vern and some others, uh, prominent uh, people here on the goldfields, took the flag from Bakery Hill down onto the Eureka Lead and built the Stockade. But the intentions of the design of the flag was that it would become the symbol of the Reform League, which was going to be a moral force movement that would advocate um, basically to implement the, the People's Charter
0: obviously men and women of different nationalities were involved in the stockade, we know that, but in recent years there's been a much less admirable use of the flag and the Southern Cross and the symbolism of Eureka. So the AFP, the Australian First Party, due to those electoral act changes last year, um, registered the cross as their official party logo. Now, Ballarat Trades and Labor Council lodged an official complaint against this, but um, I guess my question is... uh, what are the origins of far right appropriation and why do you feel that it's so important that we fight back against those uses?
4: Well, I think it's so. Rafael Carboni, um, an, an Italian on the gold fields, and Raphael had an incredible, colourful history of um, being involved in rebellious movements across several continents. Um, at the time of Eureka, stood up and said, We call upon um, all men, irrespective of nationality. Race or religion to salute the Southern cross, and there was a significant proponent of um, of of people from all nationalities involved in Eureka, so we see the the first person that um, is charged uh, for treason. John Joseph is uh, an african American. Um, we see people from Jamaica from um, many many different countries around the world that that are on the Ballarat goldfield at the time and um Carboni and others in, in um, Ballarat make it abundantly clear that um, everybody is involved, that the, the flag is a symbol of all people. Uh, and I think that's a really important thing to remember, the intentions of the people that created it and first raised it here in Ballarat. Look, the other really important thing, and I think it's something that not many people have realised, is that um, the flag of the Southern Cross, um, that we know that the, the cross with the stars in the arrangement that was created here in Ballarat, um, is not the same flag that then um, subsequently ends up in the race riots at Lambing Flat in New South Wales. Um, They're very, very different flags and very, very different designs. Um, And and it's something I think the right wing um, have failed to really grasp their history and and look at the design of of the flags uh, that they're using to justify... Uh, their use of the symbol for, for extremist right-wing uh, and, and racist views. Um, they are very different flags, very different creative and artistic designs. Um, while they may share some elements, um, which is understandable in the Southern Cross being a very prominent symbol here in the Southern Hemisphere, um, they're not related. Uh, and I, I think it's about time that, that um, people, people learnt that part of the history, that um, they're two very different symbols. And then the right... Uh, in trying to hijack our flag have relied on a, a, a false history, a really a falsification of, uh, of the truth.
0: So will you and Ballarat Trades Labor Council continue to lodge complaints against these far-right groups using the Eureka flag as their official symbol? Yes,
4: yeah, so currently uh, there's um, a, a group lodging, lodging an objection um, to the Electoral Commission's registration of that symbol. Um, we will certainly take part in that. I look forward to being able to turn up and testify um, uh, to that um, objection um, and on those historic grounds. Um, mm-hmm. And, look, we will continue to fight. The, the last thing I want as, as a, union, um, a union member and, and a secretary here in Ballarat is, is for us to walk down the street with the Southern Cross proudly displayed on our union tops and have that seen as a symbol of fear.
0: And to finish up, as a unionist, um, I know it's a large question, but what does the Eureka spirit mean to you?
4: Well, as, as Secretary here at Ballarat Trades, also we're the second oldest Trades and Labor Council in the world. Um, we trace our, uh, our start back to the 2nd of October, 1856, which is a little under two years after Eureka. And, and to me, it's, it's ultimately the history of our hall that Eureka paved the way and created the atmosphere where working people felt that they were able to stand up. So we see James Galloway and in, in, in the, the stonemasons in Melbourne marching on the 21st of April, 1856, uh, demanding an eight-hour day. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that the retail workers in Ballarat on the 2nd of October, 1856, um, standing up, forming a committee and demanding shorter uh, opening hours for for retail in Ballarat on the goldfields. And that would never have happened without um, the atmosphere created by Eureka and especially the subsequent treason trials and the fact that all of those um, people put on trial were found not guilty. And I think there was a realisation, a sense at the time in in Ballarat and across the colony of Victoria that... um, the colonial powers, that oppressive power, um, was a long way away after the treason trials um, that it hadn't quite reached to Australia, that there was a, a, a freedom and a sense that people could stand up to demand their rights in Victoria because they had won uh, at Eureka. Um, they put up the Reform League Charter with their points and, and they won. Um, they had elected representatives in Parliament um, they subsequently then won the right to to franchisement in the vote shorter sessions of parliament to paid parliamentary sitting um and i think that win really spurred on um workers to stand up across the colony of victoria that then subsequently leads to people like wg spence being able to form his mining union um david temple forming shearers union here in victoria uh, and then we see the establishment of modern unionism as we know today that that directly flowed from from the the spirit that was created after um, Eureka and especially at the end of the treason trials where the government lost.
2: They swore an oath
1: beneath the Southern Cross They'd stand together and break the license laws From 20 different nations they gathered here as one In Ballarat beneath the Southern Sun
0: That's it for Stick Together today. Thank you for listening. This program is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and it's broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. Podcasts for this show can be found at 3cr.org.au slash together. If you want to get in contact with the producers of this show, you can give us a call on 03 9419 8377 Or send us an email at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. Get in touch with us if you have a story about your workplace or your union. We'd really like to hear it. And you can also follow and interact with us during the week on Facebook. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. My name is Sarah McKenzie. And until next time, stick together.